there's a term called insulin resistance. So what it means is you are uh, the patient. They do produce insulin, but the in the body the receptors are just not responding to it efficiently. So what it means is that the sugar in our body just accumulate in the blood. Man, uh, what a what a great fall day it's been today uh, here at Toro University. Uh, I want to thank everybody for tuning in, listening again. Uh, unless you're a first time listener, then thank you so much for checking us out. Uh, my name is Bill. I am the host of the Current, uh, the Toro University Alumni Podcast, and uh, I normally have really great guests, uh, but today. I've wrangled a real ringer. Um, a, a, he's, a, he's a member of our faculty, uh, also a former student, obviously, as an alumni. Loved Turo a lot because he basically never left. Uh, Dr. Clipper Young. Uh, Dr. Young, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, good morning, uh, Bill. So thanks, thanks for having me here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like I was saying, if... Uh, we we hear in academia sometimes people be referred to as a, a Harvard man or a Yale man or whatever. You're you're a real Truro man. Why, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, your background with Truro? Sure, sure. So continue on with Bill's introduction. I it's true. I never left Truro. So I started as a student um, in 2009, and then I graduated from the College of Pharmacy in 2013. Then after that, I got two years of fellowship. Um, it's the College of Pharmacy, focusing on pharmacy education. And then at the same time, I also wanted to get more experience in healthcare. So I also pursue a master's in uh, public health um, in UC Berkeley. So, and then after that, then I was hired by the College of Medicine and starting as a, a professor, assistant professor. And then now I'm associate professor. So yeah, that's my Toro journey. That's, I've been at Toro for more than 10 years now. Um, so what do I do? So mostly I do 100% diabetes. Well, what does that mean? So I see patients two days a week at North Bay Health uh, Care. And then I spend also spend time teaching students and also healthcare professionals on what does it mean to have diabetes? And also what are the treatments out there that we can use to help patients manage their sugar, but in addition to help them reduce the risk from type two diabetes. And then also I do research, um, clinical re research as well as observational research, meaning survey-based mostly. And then lastly, um, community outreach that we have a program out uh, at Toro that we will go out in the community to screen for uh, pre-diabetes and diabetes. And then my, one of my job is to really get all the data together and then to report what have we done and then what can we do better as a team um, and then also submit publication as bill mentioned that we're in academia what it means is we really need to report and see how that we can communicate with the outside world and then the goal is really to to enhance the quality of care for the patient that we serve right right and um screening i think is is where it all begins uh, something that toro is really big about doing um, that's kind of the first step in the whole diabetes, uh, picture. Uh, and one, one thing you mentioned, uh, was pre-diabetes and, and that's a, 
a big thing now because there's a lot of people um, walking around with pre-diabetic conditions that don't even know it. And so getting screened for these things is very important. What uh, Can you just explain sort of what, what does that mean when somebody says pre-diabetes and then what what is the process? I know we have the, the Mobec trailer and a bunch of other sort of uh, uh, tools at our disposal. Uh, what are some of the ways we screen for that? Yeah, yeah. So this is a loaded question. So let's just <laughs> break it uh, small, like piece by piece. So first, um, what is prediabetes? So it's so prediabetes is really defined by the sugar level. So we we use two ways in which that we um, to classify or to di- diagnose. So the first thing is we check finger state. We check sugar level just using um, glucometer. Or, or we can do lab, and then there's a specific re, uh, um, level that we look for. So if, if the, for the fasting, if the sugar level is between 100 to 125, and that is considered within the prediabetes range, that's level one. And then level two, we have another measure, we call it A1C. So what is A1C? So A1C, in the nutshell, it's the average sugar reading in the past three months. So it's not a direct measurement of the sugar level, more of an indirect measure of the sugar level. So if your sugar level is high, and that would damage the red blood cell. And this is a measurement of how damaged the red blood cells are within the last three months. And then that comes back that we see is the percentage. So the higher the percentage, that means we have more red blood cell being damaged by the sugar. So that the, the uh, the level would be between 5.7% to 6.4%. That would be considered within the prediabetes range. And then there is right, many people that they, they're going running around and they're so busy doing, doing what they need to do to sustain life. And then they don't even realize that sugar is high. So then it's so important to, to get screened. And then there's some modification or recommendation that now, so first, if your age is above 35, and also, if you're overweight, then you should somehow consider get screened, especially that you you have a history, a family history of type two diabetes, because um, there is that linkage that if your parents or grandparents have t- type two diabetes, the chances that you might have it is increased compared to those who don't have that family history. So, and then at Toro or in uh, in Solano County, we have something called Mobac which is Mo, a mobile diabetes education center, that we have a trailer that we go out throughout Solano County to screen for prediabetes and diabetes. And in addition to that, we also do blood pressure screening and also um, depression screening, also smoking cessation education. But the main thing is we screen for your sugar level and then we offer education. So just in any event that, oh, your sugar is, within the range that I just mentioned. And there are a few things that we do. First, we highly recommend you to get it confirmed um, at, at the PCP's office, at your healthcare provider's office, because after all, MOBAC is not diagnosing anybody. We don't do diagnosis, but we just want to bring awareness to the community that this is a real thing going on. And then once that you have the quote-unquote unfavorable results, and then get it confirmed. And we have a series of education that we, we normally offer. So on site, when you are um, with us, then we give you five minutes, 10 minutes education um, on what it means to 
what what prediabetes is and and how can we uh, manage it and and how can we prevent it from progressing to type two diabetes. And then for those who have type two diabetes, we have a program called DPP. So it's Diabetes Prevention Program, which is a CDC curriculum. So it is a twelve month commitment. And then um, those who are enrolled, then you can meet and we'll meet every month in the beginning. Well, actually every week for the for the first uh, sixteen weeks, and then every month, and then every other month. So and then this is. Again, so many people think of this as a weight loss program. It's not yeah, a weight loss great. program. It is more of a preventing you from going or progressing to type 2 diabetes. However, the goal is to really lose some weight. And then the, the detail of the program is, so lifestyle modification. So we offer um, information on how to change diet. So that is the one big thing. And also find ways to to be more physically active because when we're burning calories, the chances are we are losing weight and that is the goal. So by the end of the program, if you can lose 5% of your weight and mm -hmm. then you really cut your risk of progressing from prediabetes to diabetes by 30, 30 something percent if you're below 60. For those who are above 60 and if you can go through the program, the chances uh, the study have shown that it's actually reduced by 50%. So, and there's a lot of data to support the effectiveness of DPP. So, and then there are another route for prevention and that would be medications. So, um, so metformin is one of the agents that, have, mm -hmm. that uh, has been studied and also a pioglitazone is another agent. And then there's a study out there comparing three, three components that I mentioned, the DPP program, metformin and pioglitazone. And Actually, DPP would be the better option. So lifestyle modification would be the better option over the other two agents. So, um, and then that's the reason why that when we're in clinic, when we see a, a patient with diabetes, usually that will encourage them to join the DPP. It is a commitment, as I mentioned earlier, it's 12 months, but then you don't need to be on medication. I've seen some patients that as soon as diabetes, uh, pre-diabetes was, was diagnosed and put on a medication. But yes, uh, medications, there's always side effects that we need to worry about. But if you join a lifestyle modification uh, program, there's really zero side effects. But of course, we have to put in the work to make that happen. But there's a long lasting. And then also within that one year that you slowly change your lifestyle step by step. Right, and right. then later on, then you can actually implement it throughout your life. And you can actually make your family do that. And so this right. is more of a family thing, more than just one pill. Right. And that's such an important thing is to, to head this off uh, before it develops into uh, type 2 diabetes. I was going to say, uh, you can tell Dr. Young is a, a pharmacist because he's noting the medications and their side effects. Um, so uh, so you, you don't, uh, you, you, you can take the boy out of the pharmacy program, but you can't take the pharmacy program out of the boy. <laughs> um, but we, so we talked about uh, a little bit about uh, type 2 diabetes. And uh, this is something I know about uh, personally, because it's a condition I live with. And uh, I don't recommend it. Um, I, I, I always tell people uh, diabetes dominates everything I do. Like I have to check my blood constantly. I have to think about what I'm going to eat, when I can't uh, work through lunch like I used to sometimes. I, I Like I have to eat at fairly regular intervals all the time. So 
Um, if you can do DPP and uh, sort of reverse your pre-diabetic condition, uh, that is definitely the way to go. But um, can you tell us just uh, when people say, I have type 2 diabetes, what what does that mean? What's happening inside your body? Because I know a lot of people think it's like, oh, you just eat too much cake. And that's what the problem is. But it's a, I think you, you touched on it a little. It's about sort of metabolizing energy <laughs> and uh, type 2 diabetes is, there's a, there's a breakdown of, in that somewhere along the lines. Can you, can you just tell people what type 2 diabetes is and then what's happening physiologically to you? Yes, yes. So you just hit on the key point, metabolism. So when we talk about, when we think about type 2 diabetes, it's really a metabolic condition in which that um, the body is not responding to our own ins insulin in an efficient way and a sufficient way. So there's a term called insulin resistance. So what it means is you, are, uh, the patient, they do produce insulin, but the, in the body, the receptors are just not responding to it efficiently. So what it means is that the sugar in our body just accumulate in the blood. And then when we check our blood, then the sugar would go up. Um, and, and there are, and, and you're right. So when, for those who have type 2 diabetes, there's a lot of things that we need to think about. But one thing that I really want to stress is type 2 diabetes is a very manageable condition. However, this takes a lot of work, as you mentioned. So <laughs> In the nutshell, there are four pillars that we always educate patients on in order to manage your diabetes. There are four things that we need to start off. First is diet. So as mm -hmm. you mentioned, diet is super important that we always say that, well, and I, I, I hear uh, patients will tell me that, well, yeah, now someone told me that now I have type 2 diabetes. I cannot eat rice anymore, or I just cannot eat spaghetti anymore. So that's actually not true. So it's not so much what you eat, it's how much you eat. You can mm. still enjoy your, your pizza, you can still enjoy your, your uh, spaghetti or your rice, but the amount that you consume during one meal needs to cut down. So we mm. have something called the plate method. The plate is nine inch plate, not the super big 12 inch, <laughs> 13 inch, nine inch plate. And then it should be half of the plate should be green vegetable. And a quarter of that should be protein could be fish, chicken, and the other quarter, that would be the important thing that we look at would be carbohydrate. Only one quarter of the plate should be carbohydrate. So this is one thing, so diet in the nutshell. And the other component would be physical activity. So, um, and then people would be like, so what do you mean by physical activity? Well, it doesn't have to be fancy fancy. As long as you walk, like for example, in the American diet or in the American lifestyle, dinner usually is the biggest meal of the day. Mm -hmm. So if you can somehow finish dinner and then walk for at least, you can start with as, as, as short as 15 minutes, but slowly walking up to 30 minutes, just by 30 minutes a day. And you, you can keep it up five days a week. Well, start with three, but continue to, to develop to five days a week. And then I guarantee you, your sugar, will be better managed, especially after a, a meal that has somewhat more carbohydrate. Because as you walk, your muscles start um, using the fuel, the fuel would be the sugar, and then, and then your sugar will, will go from the bloodstream into the muscle, and that will lower your sugar level um, in the blood. So that would be the second pillar. The next pillar would be medication. So there are a lot of agents out there that we use 
for, for diabetic management. And then when I, when I somehow, I say insulin, and a lot of people would, would freak out, and some, mm-hmm. some of them, they would yell at me like, are you putting me on insulin? Well, so there's a lot of different ways that we can manage, we can manage diabetes, type 2 diabetes, let's put it that way. And insulin is just one of them. And that doesn't mean that we, we start insulin on everybody. But one thing that I want to point out, once that you are starting on a medication, be adherent because the medication will work if you take it. Mm-hmm. If you don't take it, it won't work, right? And I won't get into the detail detail, but medication is a big part of, of uh, type 2 diabetes management. And then lastly, it's sugar checking. So you, you do all the things that I mentioned. You change your diet. You try to be physically active as much as possible, and you take your medication every day. But somehow, don't you want to see if all the things that you're doing is working for you, like getting a report card? So mm-hmm. the, the self-monitoring of blood sugar is really the report card, and you get that every day or sometimes multiple times a day if you're on mm-hmm. an insulin therapy. So, And I cannot stress enough that I see many patients. They do one, two, and three, meaning they change the diet, they, they, they exercise, they take medication, but checking is lacking. Sometimes I get like one reading a day. So a uh, one reading a week. Um, so that means there, we don't know, like we don't know how well you're doing, implementing all the changes. And, and don't you want to know um, mm-hmm. for, for those who have type 2 diabetes that you want to know how well you're doing. If, if your sugar is still not managed well enough, then you can actually change. So that's why I want to go back to the point earlier. Type 2 diabetes is a very manageable condition. However, it comes with a lot of work. Right, right. And that was uh, that was an element that I was concerned about, the sort of finger sticks and stuff like that. But I've learned over time, uh, there's some spots on your finger. It doesn't really hurt that much. Um, so it's, it's fine to... Um, it's one of those things that you have to experience for a little bit before you... Uh, start to realize, oh, that's not too bad. Um, but yeah, it is nice to just sort of affirm that things are going in the right direction. And 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 what did I tell you about Dr. Young being a pharmacist? Is uh, talking about the uh, medical medication adherence, which if you come on our campus and you meet a, a pharmacy student and you want to strike up a conversation, just have them explain what medication adherence is and they will be happy to tell you. Uh, so one, one thing, uh, Dr. Young, I know uh, that this is probably common, something you experience as well. Um, that there's some people that are just like, oh, my grandmother had it and uh, her mama had it or whatever, you know, like whatever the case is with, and they didn't do anything about it. And, uh, I'm going to, who cares? But, uh, it's, it's, it's a big deal. Um, because there are a lot of really bad effects of living with diabetes in the long term. Um, what, what are, what are some of the things that are sort of people are risking, uh, by not treating this properly? Like you said, with these four, this four pronged approach. Right. So, so the key term here is uncontrolled diabetes or unmanaged diabetes. If, if someone's diabetes is managed, we will not see or the, the chance of, of seeing the consequences of diabetes is a lot lower. So, so, so let's go back to the uncontrolled diabetes. So usually I think of it as two different routes, at least two different categories. One is the physical things that we see. For example, uncontrolled diabetes can lead to heart attack, stroke. So that would be the cardiovascular. And then, um, and that could, be, could lead to CKD, so chronic kidney condition. 
-hmm. and then also can lead to if if someone happens to to uh dealing with type 2 diabetes and infection and the infection is not well um i guess resolved or managed then can lead to amputation and i see that in clinic like every week so and also going back to the point that for those who have type 2 diabetes the chances are they probably also dealing with hypertension high pressure and also um high cholesterol so and then those are the three things that that would usually come together that i see a lot so what does that mean that means having type 2 diabetes complicates things a little or maybe it's an understatement it's more than little that we need to concern about our um blood pressure and cholesterol so that is that's an acronym that i always teach students the abc so a would be a1c that is a diabetes part the sugar part the B would be blood pressure always a daily monitoring of blood pressure and also the C part is cholesterol so and and hopefully at least doing that then uh then we know the condition or the the current the status of the condition and then there's a lot of other things that we need to worry about like going back to the complication so uh retinopathy the eye mm -hmm. um would would develop problems and also neuropathy Neuropathy could be the tingling. I always hear patients saying that I have this tingling sensation that just never go away. And then before I go to bed, it gets worse. Yeah, so that is the nerve being damaged by the high glucose or high sugar. And then the way to manage it is first, get your sugar down. And then there's some medications can help manage the symptoms, but it's not really this, it's not reversible. Um, and also, so that would be the, the physical part. And then there's the psychological part that I deal with, and also this is actually one of my interests in diabetes management, right. is I see that we do a lot that we, like we push, we somehow, quote unquote, we push patients to do this and do that and do that, and they get overwhelmed. And I hear a lot of patients coming to me saying that, I am just so overwhelmed, or I'm just so frustrated. I do all the things that you tell me, but my sugar is not going down. So, and then slowly, day after day after day after day, then some patients might develop depression like clinical, clinical depression, or some of them that they might not have clinical depression, but they have this depressed state. And, and then, then usually we do a lot of education. Um, somehow that I recommend to deal with the mental health first, because if the mental health is not being managed well, the mm -hmm. sugar is not likely. Because imagine someone who's depressed, probably they don't want to do anything, right? They don't right. want to take their medication. They don't want to do the, sh the finger pricking. They don't want to do anything that the chances are the sugar is being controlled is pretty slim. So, and that's the reason why that mental health comes first and then diabetes management comes second. Right. And the other thing is I also hear patients feeling like saying burnout. I just cannot deal with this anymore. I just can't. So there's a term, um, the scientific term is diabetes distress. Um, so what it means is it's really not a medical condition or there's no diagnosis. It's more of a mental state that they're feeling so tired, mm -hmm. having to manage your diabetes for 20, mm -hmm. 30, even 40 years. And they're so sick of it. And, and that is that, again, that takes a lot of education. I really, then I will ask, okay, what, so what is your goal? And what are the barriers that you think that you're going through? And how can I help you to resolve some of that? And again, this is a part of mental health that we need to have their psychological state as best before we can deal with what we want to deal with, which is type 2 diabetes. So, so, and then going back to the question that you asked, it's diabetes, like sugar high, it's just one thing that we see, but there's a lot of things that we don't see. It's really underlying. And then 
that's that's the main reason that when we get to to treat or get to work with a type of patient with type 2 diabetes and we ask a lot of questions more than the clinical part it's it's more of their lifestyle family support that's a big thing like that connects to the psychological mm-hmm. state so someone who has one family member has diabetes at, in a family it's not just that one person that impacts the entire family like at dinner right you don't you want to we all want we always want to be inclusive what that means is everybody will have to somehow change our diet it this is a good this is a good change for the patient and really really for the whole family right um so speaking of diet changes and so forth uh we we talked a little bit about um the diabetes prevention program um it's a cdc program that turo is administering is that correct and um what is the best way to sort of figure out whether you're a suitable candidate and sign up and all that sort of stuff sure so yeah so it is a cdc curriculum and also it's been certified by cdc so um, if you're interested in finding out more more information about DPP, so you can go to the, um, our website. So it's tu.edu slash MOBEC, M-O-B-E-C. So it has all the programs that I just talked about earlier, from the community outreach to um, diabetes prevention program to also, uh, if you want to get to know us, we have a bio at the, at the bottom of the page mm-hmm. that lists all the dream team well, the, the members on our team and also we have a calendar um, showing that what date what time what location that will be at will be there screen for diabetes and pre-diabetes right yeah that i mean the the, the website is really great because it, it has all of that information um I know uh, the, our campus chef has a few uh, healthy recipes uh, listed on there. Um, some of the other programs, uh, there's with the whole show would just be a listing of the programs <laughs> um, if we <laughs> explained all of them. Um, but yeah, you can find it on that website. You can follow uh, the Diabetes Research Education and Management dream team the dream team we call them uh not just because of their diabetes research education and management but they're also so awesome uh as you can tell by listening to dr young um you can follow the dream team on uh all sorts of uh, instagram and twitter and all sorts of social media uh, and they're always posting very interesting things about diabetes research and uh, the latest information um so yeah, uh, definitely go on the website, check out uh, the Mobec calendar, see when they're going to be uh, somewhere nearby, and you can go get screened, which I highly recommend. Uh, I was on campus yesterday, and I saw the the trailer uh, warming up and <laughs> getting ready to go out somewhere. So that's a good sign uh, for a variety of reasons. That means uh, we're capable of doing that again. <laughs> they? <laughs> sat idle for a while uh because of covid uh, but they're getting back out in the community so that is great um and then if you're if you're really interested in just random social media stuff you can always follow Toro university california uh on facebook instagram twitter linkedin for some reason um <laughs> and uh and do all that sort of fun stuff uh we're so proud and grateful to have Dr. Young as an alumni. I'm so thankful that he's here uh, mentoring young students uh, who are going into the medical profession. Um, 
And so, yeah, it's a great place if you're interested in pharmacy, diabetes research, medicine. Um, this, this is definitely a great campus for that because we have our awesome dream team and our great comm faculty, cop faculty, all, everybody here is all so great. Uh, we love them all. Um, so for uh, Dr. Young, I am Bill. Uh, I want to thank you all so much for listening. And until next time, we will see you on The Current.